Eagle looking great. Here we go. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Sci-Fi Wise Guys. My name is Chris. And my name is Anthony. There was an update to my microphone, uh, like a like a firmware update or whatever, and I had to significantly reduce the uh, gain on it. Okay, very cool. So you let like you let me know if I sound weird. Sound the same to me. I mean, Do I sound the same to you? I haven't talked to you on over the video ninja thing in a while, so yeah, it's been a hot minute. <laughs> a hot minute. Your mom's a hot minute. She's single, man. Do you think? Is she, is she really? Yeah, man. She's been single for like 18 years. <laughs> she hasn't called me, man. What's up? Phone works. Phone works. Both way. <laughs> it, it does indeed work both ways. Don't you worry. I will never call your mother. Oh, man. Look, as much as I love bantering with you and doing this, these long, elongated, off-topic, open marins, cold opens, whatever, we watched a very interesting movie. And uh, I'd like to uh, I'd like to roll into it if that's okay. Let's be roll into it. Let's do it. <laughs> yeah. For anyone who has never listened to our podcast, uh, just so you know, we actually don't actually follow a layout or an outline some <laughs> no. most of the time. But uh, we watch and review sci-fi and sci-fi adjacent straight to stream visual entertainment media. There you go. Do you want to tell the people what we watched? We watched a 2014 Canadian science fiction horror film written and directed by David Hewitt. Debug. D. Bug, also known as Spaceship. <laughs> you're you're uh, laughing, but uh, so the movie is called Debug, uh, but in some markets it is called Spaceship. Uh, one of those markets where it is called Spaceship is Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> Apparently the, the French-Canadian uh, title for this movie is Spaceship, which is not a French word, while the English-Canadian version is Debug. So I... I don't know. As you can see uh, on the screen here, um, and I'll describe for any future listeners, uh, this movie stars one Jason Momoa with short hair, which I had never seen before. Was it actually short or was it just neatly tied back? Because I never saw the back of his head. I, the back of his hair, it is cut short. Okay. I made a, yes, okay. 100%. We also have returning sci-fi wise guys alum, Adrian Holmes, who is well, in all of the things. Jason Momoa is a return. He is. He is a return, yeah. but yeah. he's not been in nearly the quality <laughs> of content that Adrian Holmes has. Fair enough. We also have Janaean Goosen and Adam Butcher, people who I don't, I've never seen before. Uh, do you want to give the facts for this film? Let's lay out some facts for the people. Uh, as it stands today, IMDb, 4.3 out of 10. Yeah. It's a median score of four. Arithmetic, arithmetic. I don't know how to pronounce that word. I see, I see it all <laughs> the time. Four point six. Oh man, yes. Majority of the reviews actually sitting at a five with five hundred and thirty-two votes, and a four with five hundred and twenty-two votes. So yeah, that makes sense for yeah, me. Yeah. TBD on Metacritic for both Metascore and User Score. There's only one critical review that I could find, and um, it's a zero. Zero, uh, like yeah. zero out of ten. <laughs> yeah, hmm. spaceship, aka debug, has a no. It, it doesn't have a, uh, a rating on Rotten Tomatoes for uh, critical reviews, but twenty four percent audience score based on over a hundred ratings. So not well received, I think, is what we can probably like oh, yeah, say probably. from from the from the critics. 
it it is a solid three out of five stars on Prime Video. And uh, 64% of Google users liked this movie. As a, I, I gave the facts out. And this is a movie that I picked. I've been trying to get you to watch it, I think, for a few weeks now. Yeah. I'm going to let you uh, give your initial thoughts and opinions. Are we sure about that? Yeah, man. Was that what we want to do? I mean, if, if, if you don't, I'm not sure what we're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> so this film is written and directed by David Hewlett of Stargate Atlantis fame. I know him from Stargate Atlantis. I'm sure he's been in a lot of other things that other people would recognize him from. Let's see. I'm looking through his list. Cube, which I'm, you know, that's possibly an influence. Rise of the Planet of the Apes. The Shape of Water. Yep. Yep. Well, I, okay. I know I know him from Stargate SG-1. Well, he <laughs> was he in Stargate like, SG-1. He does like a two yes. or three episode. Uh, yeah. No, I'm sorry, a four episode guest role. But um, but yeah, he was in a lot of it's, it's, SG-1. IMDb, SGA. or excuse me, Wikipedia says seven episodes. He was a regular oh. on Stargate Atlantis, and he was in one episode of Stargate Universe for better or worse. <laughs> so he only has three directing credits, of which... Uh, this is one, and I think one of the others is a short or, no, it's a TV movie, Rage of the Yeti. Uh, so this was his latest directorial effort uh, from 2014, 2015. I just thought it was interesting that, you know, you have Stargate Atlantis alums, uh, Jason Momoa and David Hewlett, you know, kind of joining up for this film. Do you think it was like this, a favor? Like, yes. hey man, I wrote this movie. If you if you can come in and film all your scenes in one day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He also wrote it. Yes. Thank you. Yes. I absolutely think it was a favor. And because I don't know, because even in 2014, 2015, would this have been, I'm trying to think of what, I'm going to look up Momoa now. I'm just putting away the, uh, I'm pu- pushing off the inevitable here. It, this movie is very deserving of the 4.3 on IMDb. I think this is one of the few instances where I 100% agree with the uh, the aggregate scores. I think that they nailed it. The movie is derivative. It is lacking an identity. And then it kind of has that small, not even twist ending. It's a, it's the, you know, that thing that horror movies like to do that you, you bring it up a lot. You hate it where there's a twist at the end and everything's horrible again, or the killer's really here, or now everyone's dead again or whatever. This one did a twist where everything was happy at the end, I think. <laughs> I actually rewatched the last few minutes and then like looked up what happened. <laughs> on, like I read the, the Wikipedia uh, entry uh, to try to figure out what the plot was at the end there. Um, and I think it's just a, a jump forward and then a happy ending with another sci-fi Wise Guys alum because uh, you had, oh, I can't remember his name, but he was in The Atom Project, uh, which we released last week. He shows up at the very end uh, of this film for one scene. And I can see you thinking really hard about it. I think it was him. Yeah, Alex Malari Jr. shows up at the very, very end. He played Christos in The Atom Project. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I called him out okay. as being in Dark Matter. Yeah, he just shows up for First four mate. minutes. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. even have a name. <laughs> uh, so that's interesting. Uh... The movie's very derivative of 2001 A Space Odyssey, but not as ambitious uh, i would also compare it to the cube i didn't expect it to go horror i guess it does have some it's definitely sci-fi with some slasher horror vibes the problem is that the horror bits of it are spread out too far 
there's no sense of dread. There's no real suspense. Like when I watch a slasher film, like I watch like a classic slasher movie, there's that constant sense of there, somebody's about to get hurt. Something bad is about to happen. Oh my goodness, what is this? What is? What are they doing? You know. And I mm-hmm. never felt that for this film. I don't know if that's because I didn't care about the characters or you know everything is just so brightly lit. Like in the opening sequence. Uh, this character whose name we never know. She's never named. Yeah. She escapes from her room, which I assumed was a cell at the time. And then everything gets dark. And then Jason Momoa materializes in front of her and then and kills her in a creepy way. And that was the creepiest thing to happen in the entire film. It happens right away. There's no dark. There's like, I, I feel weird tr- saying that I missed horror tropes. You know what I mean? Like, a dark hallway, flickering lights, uh, ominous sounds, like something to build suspense. Like those, those things are tropes and overused for a reason. And they, they just weren't there. They were just absent. And so the horror bit never really hit. It's just, oh, well, they're about to die. Okay. Yep. The one girl dies in virtual reality. So that was really creepy. And there's blood everywhere and hands reach for I'm Like, but it's not, it's not even real in the movie you know it's not like it's it's supernatural so it's i guess lacking in that in that regard the story itself the idea of a rogue ai terrorizing as computer scientists and then having those scientists be prisoners on work release programs i thought was uh was a very interesting premise like i bought into that i was like this is this is cool i dig it um it's very sci-fi right but at the end it cool it it told a story i don't know why i cared about that story and it didn't (laughs) I didn't have an emotional response to the film in any way, so okay, yeah, four point three, cool. Try again. <laughs> I'm gonna disagree a little bit. Okay, I think this movie was a six, and I think the reason why it was a six is it did something that I didn't know you could do. First of all, I didn't even after watching it, I'm still not sure if I agree with it being a horror film. <laughs> like, yeah. I think it was really more of a like. Like, not even a suspense movie or a thriller, but it was just a movie in which bad things happen to bad people. But it combined 2001 A Space Odyssey, like a homeless man's 2001 A Space Odyssey, and then Swordfish or Black Hat, which is, is, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Black Hat. I'm aware of it. It famously got pulled from theaters after like a week. I don't know if you know that or not. I didn't. Um, What's the story there? Um, it, it didn't make enough money. Oh, <laughs> and so that they type, were like, that why? Okay. Like it, it, I think it came out week one. They were like, eh. it also had Chris Hemsworth trying to do a Brooklyn accent. And, and I've talked about this before. Don't do that. Just don't do it. it. Just have your actor be whoever the actor is. And then just, just justify like with an offhand comment. Why? Like, wait, I thought you were from Brooklyn. Why do you have an Aussie accent? Well, cause I grew up in Australia. Who cares? Yeah, like, Spider-Man should have an English accent. hundred yeah. percent. Who cares? But, I, but there's a difference between like doing a, a poor imitation of a, an accent and then actually managing to do it. Sure. Like sure. Kevin Costner in Prince of Thieves. Uh. Like, don't do it. Just just don't do it. But Black Hat and Swordfish are movies in which criminals are used to not even fight crime, but their expertise is used to overcome an obstacle. But they are, in fact, criminals. Fam- Black Hat uh, is another term for a, a, a bad actor in the cybersecurity world, someone who intentionally hacks for gain. And that's what he was in that movie. And then in Swordfish, uh, <laughs> with the famous dancing scene, I'm sure everyone's seen it before, but with Hugh Jackman, he was a hacker 
and then he got arrested, blah, 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 blah. But he is he is brought in and his expertise is used to hack other things, right? So that's what they do. They take these people who have been convicted of crime, cybercrime, and they, they take them out. They put them in orange jumpsuits because that's the only way that you can identify a criminal in the future. And they use them to debug Ooh. the ship. And I actually thought that was a really interesting premise. Rogue AI, like that's been done before. Not really necessarily worried about like that being derivative. Sure. But um, for the most part, I think this movie's main problem is Jason Momoa. And the reason is he's a pretty good actor, right? Like I I think he does. He does pretty well at at what he's supposed to be doing. Well, I'll let you finish. Yeah. Well, he's on the, he's on the cover. We just saw the poster, right? Front and center. I just don't believe, like, I don't believe that he's an AI. Like, I guess that's my biggest issue. And so he's, his star power, like now overpowers this movie. So we talked, like you said, you know, where he kind of was, I'm just going to show you his, or tell you his filmography up until 2014. This is films. Johnson Family Vacation. You ever heard of it? No. Yeah. Pipeline. Brown Bag nope. Diaries. Conan the Barbarian. I've seen that. Bullets to the Head. We've seen that. Uh, Road to Paloma. And then Debug. Right? If you look at his television, he was in two different Baywatch shows. Tempted, North, Star- North Shore, Stargate Atlantis, The Game, and one season of Game of Thrones. And then he was in Debug. So it's not like he was kicking the door down for Hollywood A-listers, right? Like, he's a background actor, a reoccurring character, part of an ensemble. Uh, he only had one, like, movie in which he was the the lead actor, and that was Conan the Barbarian, which I don't think that was well-received. No. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed his performance in that movie because he is a barbarian. Like, if you just look at him like he's a monster. But uh, I think that's the problem, is he's just too... He's too overpowering, and it just doesn't make a lot of sense... Well, in 2022, maybe in 2014, I'd have a different perspective. But all the other actors in in this movie are career B-movie actors. You know what I mean? Like, there's a couple in here. Like, I looked up a few of them. Uh, Sydney Leader is the girl who dies in VR. She she's had a pretty decent career. Obviously, we talked about Adrian Holmes earlier. Kerr Hewitt, mm-hmm. which I believe is, in fact, um, I don't know if that's related. No, no, no. Hewitt, no, not Hewlett. Yeah, yeah, there's an L in there. Been in a couple things. Looks like over 20 credits. But, you know, this is a B-movie. And so yeah. I, th- I that's, I think, the problem. I think they, they cast a character or they cast an actor who overshadows everyone else. And so now I'm I'm watching this movie and I'm like, okay, cool. Jason Momoa is in it. And he brings it. Like, I think he really brings it. But no one else really does. And that's kind right. of the, it's kind of the source, like the, the open wound in this movie. You know what I mean? Jason Momoa plays... Typically, he plays large, imposing, you said barbaric, characters. And the character of, uh, he's he's credited as I Am. I don't know if they actually ever say that in the he does. film, does he? Uh, he says, he says I pretentious. Am. He, he's like, I Am. That's what yeah, he says. that's pretentious. <laughs> this isn't a typical role for him. This is not the Jason Momoa role that you'd expect, right? Even like... I'm going to get some flack. Stargate Atlantis, which is the first place I was aware of him at. He's the Teal'c stand-in mm-hmm. slash Worf stand-in, right? The big guy who's used to show how strong opponents are. Yeah, right? Like yeah. A, a, somebody who's watched Star Trek. If an alien shows up and can beat up Worf in hand-to-hand combat, that oh, that guy must be really strong. That was Jason Momoa's character in Stargate Atlantis uh, with dreads. And... He kind of did the opposite. Well, Worf's hair got longer 
I think Jason Momoa's hair got shorter. Anyways, um, that's who his character is. Even in Game of Thrones, where I think a lot of people were introduced to him. He's huge. He's the big, he's the leader of the barbarians. Um, and more recently, I guess he's been known for Aquaman, which is also a physically imposing character with maybe a, a bit more depth to him. But in this film, he's a hologram. He, he, I guess he has the ability to interact with the physical world, but that's not what makes him imposing. Like him being seven foot tall and, and built isn't what is intimidating about this character. It's the fact that the character controls everything in the environment. It's the fact that the character is toying with them the entire time. And you're right, it just doesn't, I don't know, it just doesn't come across. Yeah, He does a good job, but it, it, and I'm willing to admit that maybe it's a bias from seeing him in these other roles. I don't know if he, I just don't know if he pulls it off. And so when you say he's a good actor and he's doing well, I mean, like, I don't know what he could have done differently because I'm not an actor. I just don't think the role was meant for him. Yeah, I, no, I, I agree. I, I, I think maybe it's just a roundabout way of what I was saying was that, yeah, like it shouldn't have been him. Right. But I don't know if that's, I agree. I don't know if that's because we're watching it now as opposed to watching it then. Well, you know who it should have been. Is the answer Kelsey Grammer? The answer is always Kelsey Grammer, <laughs> yes. Uh, speaking of um, I think the that's horror, the name of this episode, is who is Kelsey Grammer? The, the horror elements. Yeah. I think there's only one outright moment of pure gore um, that you get to see, which is Deandra, played by Jaden Wong, gets her head smashed. Yeah. There were two moments in this movie where I wasn't sure if it was the movie that I should have picked. Oh, really? That was one of them. And the other one was when Laura Riley, played by Sydney Leader, is uh, she gets into the tank. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't paying attention, but I didn't see her take her clothes off. They cut away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like she's like messing with the liquid. And then the next thing you know, she's in VR, right? And then... Uh, you see her get in. You see her get in. I didn't, Again, like I said, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't see it. But it then cuts to like Jason Momoa, like kind of creeping on her a little bit. You know, because yes. he's trying to be creepy. And then right. he he says, I can't wait to see what you're made of. And he takes his finger and he does this little number. And he's like going towards the bottom of her bra. And I was like, uh. Don't do it. Don't do it, Jason. Uh, <laughs> it's like, uh, what's going to happen here? Luckily, we didn't get that, which is cool. No. Yeah. But I, I, I definitely was, I was like, okay. Well, can we talk talk about how almost every female character in this movie is shown in their underwear at some point? Uh, I don't remember seeing Kaida in her underwear. Yeah, I said almost. So there's, yeah, three out of four of them. Yeah, true. Just lowest common denominator crap. Tanika Davis played the unnamed female prisoner at the beginning of the film. Mm -hmm. Uh, Let's give a shout out to the rest of them here. Yeah. Uh, Adam Butcher plays James McKay. Adrian Holmes obviously plays Capra. Kate Hewitt, Hewlett, which I assume is David Hewlett's paramour relative. It's his sister. Sorry. Ah. Uh, she plays the accounting program. And then Kyle Mack. <laughs> what a name. Is Samson Connolly, the rebel of the group who's also afraid of rats. Very cool. So the character's name is McKay? Yeah. And then uh, Janine Goosen uh, plays Kaida. I think she was probably the most experienced actor at the time. She has mm-hmm. a lot of television credits. Like a lot yeah. of television credits. You could tell that she was the most experienced actor in the room. <laughs> so. Um, but yeah, she's been in a ton of television. She got 40 credits. There was a funny moment that happened. Well, not necessarily a funny moment, but an interesting moment when they're they're talking about the ship. And he says, you know, this is a prison ship. And I don't know who said it, but like prison ships were outlawed. 
like 50 years ago. Yeah, decades. So in concept, this is like an event horizon scenario, right? Where Mm. shit was just disappeared for whatever reason and just shows up X amount of day, X amount of years later. Kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I don't necessarily agree with the phrase horror film, but I mean, I as a sub subgenre, it's a it's a know? slasher subgenre yep. thing. It would be an interesting like this is one of those movies. I'm gonna give away my million dollar idea. You ready? You make a production studio that specializes in science fiction to come up with scripts. All you do is you take rejected Star Trek scripts and flesh them out into their own movie. They're already written to be 45 minutes, so you take the other 45 minutes to introduce the characters and wrap everything up at the end. That gives you your hour and a half movie, and you just take rejected Star Trek ideas, and then you just just do it. <laughs> it's easy. The movie, like when we talk about, I, I want to say, like we were, we're talking about the actors and, and her obviously being most experienced and blah, blah, blah. I don't think anyone did a bad job in this movie. Yeah. There was no one that that I could point out and be like, oh my gosh, that they're horrible. No, they all did. they all did great. They're all good acting. The direction was acceptable. Like there was nothing, I can't say anything bad about it. I can't say anything really amazing about it. I think it hits, like you said, the the five or six. So the the movie's well-made. I was impressed with, like I'm always impressed with B-movies and how they can stretch a budget, how they can have six or how many ever rooms there were that are all the same set, but they film everything they're going to have in room one and then they, paint a two on the wall, move some stuff around, you know, yeah. and then film everything there. Like the way it, um, they used some of the camera footage, you know, so you could have a lower resolution shot that might've been shot from something else. Um, you know, whether, you know, a different type, like a cheaper, uh, cheaper video equipment or even a phone or something. I don't know. So something I've pointed out before, they do that a lot. And I think they do it pretty well. The CGI in the film is good enough. It's not the best we've seen, but it's far from the worst. I was impressed with their heads-up displays. So they all have kind of electronic displays that pop up in front of their faces, which would be really easy to look bad. Like this movie came out in, it was filmed in 2014. Amazon, as usual, has the, the a year off on the date. I don't know why. Like it would be really easy for that to, for them to have gone all in on that CGI budget and it would just look horrible. And that would be all we talk about for this podcast is like they had stuff in front of their face and it looked bad. But they did. A, they made a design choice. To the, the whole thing is just lines. It's just white lines to outline things. Even when it has a graphics for moving things, it's just white lines. There's no color. Everything's see-through. They kept it as minimalistic and clean as possible. And I think that, that from a design perspective, the heads-up displays are some of the best CGI we've seen in a B-movie. Because it will stand the test of time, while most won't. Well, like the spaceship shots yeah. uh, in the movie Even don't the stand up. Yeah, like the arm. Yeah. Yeah. But those head, the heads-up displays, the HUDs that pop up in front of their faces, that'll look good forever because they, they honed in on it. I really like the set, or sets, I guess you should say. You talked about how everything's whitewashed, or not whitewashed, but just, uh, you know, it's, it's all white. Right, yeah, it's very sterile, bright. Mm. Very sterile-looking. Sterile is a good word, yeah. I don't know how much of that is like, like that's what prison ships are supposed to look like in the future, or this is a ship that's been inhabited by an AI for so long, like he managed to... Because, I mean, this is the future, right? Like, he's using nanotech, so I assume yeah. that means he has the ability to change, like, the geography of the, uh, or the, the layout yeah, or whatever, right? They don't get real in-depth on the technology. Sure, sure. I liked how their solution for not having a lot of area was to just, all right, you guys go to these different control rooms, 
and they're all the same. Like they're all yeah. the same layout. Like you, you walk into this bulkhead, you walk through that door, and then there's a computer on the left, and then there's a computer on the right, and then on one side there's a little table with chairs that I've seen at Office Depot. I, I thought they did a great job in terms of showing what you can do with the budget. You know, I got to yes. give David Hewlett a lot of credit. If you're listening to this, David, <laughs> for whatever reason, uh, I think you did a great job. <laughs> yeah. Also, why are you listening to this? I'm just confused. So, what has he got going on right now? What's the 2021? Ooh, Nightmare Alley. Ooh, 2021, Private Eyes. He's an episode called Drop Dead Carney. So he's got some time. <laughs> you know what who, I mean? Like, who, are you talking about David Hewlett? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in a post-production for a TV series called Cabinet of Curiosities. Oh, fair enough. <laughs> oh, he was in C? Interesting. Okay. Was he now? Yeah, it says he was in two episodes. I don't know if you continued watching that show or not, but I have definitely not seen the second season at all. I don't see where he's in C. Uh, David Hewlett? It's his fourth. Is it on IMDb? IMDb. Ah, yes. I see it now. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's cool. Tormata. Very neat. Yeah. This would be a good example of uh, stretching the budget. I think they did They did a great job. And the, the cutting between you know people walking up the stairs or in a hallway versus the like we keep describing it as they're using the same room over and over again but i never felt like i was trapped in that room i never felt yeah. like they over they overstayed their welcome the editing was was really well done it felt like it was bigger than it was uh, which is a credit to you know the entire production team i think my favorite piece of set design was the engineering which was a server closet yeah essentially with like the breakers, <laughs> like with the breakers yeah. and like the pipes that contained all the wires, the demark, all that stuff. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, no, I uh, like I said, I gave it a six. Yeah, you know, I, I I think that I, I'm not going to begrudge you that six. You you haven't convinced me to change my four point whatever it was four point three simply because I, at the end of the day, the whole point of watching a story is to be entertained by that story, and I just wasn't entertained enough. I wouldn't um, say this is worth the price of subscription, but barely. Uh, it it could have very easily been worth the price of subscription. That's and true. if a David Hewlett directed movie with Jason Momoa as a creepy, almost you know, just well, I was going to say seductively evil AI uh, appeals to you, and then hey, check it out. It's less than an hour and a half, and sitting at what like eighty six minutes. Finally, eighty two <laughs> minutes. Eighty two minutes. That includes credits. There's nothing at the end of the credits. So it's definitely not a bad choice for an afternoon if you already have Prime Video, but I wouldn't rec- I wouldn't say it's worth the price of subscription. Would you? I, I guess I would disagree enough. I do think it is mostly because quality-wise, this is probably one of the better B-movies that I think we've seen. Like true B-movies. I, I know we talked about, uh, what's it called? Boss what is it Level. Called? Boss Level. Boss yeah. Level is, we, I think we agreed that Boss Level is not a B-movie. Right. That was made for theater. Yeah. It was supposed yeah. to get a theatrical release and it didn't. But other B-movies that we've seen, like Alien Warfare, Alien, uh, is Alien Conquest a B-movie? We never really agreed. No, it's a, no. But, but uh, I mean, like Alien Warfare is like, they shoot scenes that are supposed to be taking place on like an army base in some dude's garage, like his man cave. They've yeah. got, they've got actors in suits that aren't, fitted for them like i didn't think that any of the costuming was bad like oh. there the only prop that i had a real problem with was the the thing that was in, supposed to be injecting something into adrian holmes's body yeah that was a bit much it was a little weird like the way it moved i think that was my problem not necessarily its design but i think sets costuming props acting i mean the biggest failure of this movie is the story 
right? Right, which like, is weird, right? Concept-wise, I think it works. Yeah. I think the the plot moves like I wasn't bored. I didn't I also didn't feel rushed. Like I often talk about movies not being short enough. Um and I think a lot of people are so used to longer movies nowadays. Like when you see a movie is an hour and a half, you're like, that's it? Yeah. I didn't like Yeah. I thought it was the perfect length. I thought it had a beginning, middle, and end, a conclusion. Yeah. The biggest problem was the story. <laughs> well, you know what the best part of this movie was? Is? You know what the best part of this movie is? Is the tagline. I'm going to pull up the picture of the poster again. Can you read oh, that? Evil can't be deleted. <laughs> evil can't be deleted. Oh, with, a, with a picture in the background that I don't think that's actually from the movie. Like, I don't remember. Oh, probably not. That <laughs> being in there. <laughs> uh, we didn't blurb actually oh you we we kind of glossed over it six young computer hackers sent to work on a derelict spaceship are forced to match wits with a vengeful artificial intelligence that would kill to be human so yeah uh on imdb a little bit longer of a blurb what's the one i read not imdb sorry on prime video a longer <laughs> a longer blurb deep space six young hackers on a grueling work release program attempt to clear out clear out debug the computer systems of a massive derelict freighter. I don't think that's proper English. They quickly fall prey to the ship's artificial intelligence, a program that would kill to be human. As the fractious team is forced to match wits with this rogue program, they discover that the ship holds a deadly secret and a fate worse than death. You can see right there he definitely has short hair, as well as a little bleach streak. What's the deadly secret? Can you tell me? I think the deadly secret was that, from if I remember correctly... He was he was accidentally created. Mm. Like he says okay. that um, the prisoners that were on the ship tried to hack the computer program, and right. they they did a shunt or something, and it that's what actually caused him to be to be created. Right. Uh, right. I don't know if that's it. I don't know if that's the secret or not. Um, Who knows? It's I, also isn't he also like uh, they called him Bioware? Yeah. Uh, so he had like a <laughs> core of you know a, a real brain or something. I don't know. Well, they, well, I think they said, like, so we're human with a little bit of tech because they've yeah. got, like, a little implant up here that they can scan and gives them the HUD or whatnot. They right, said right. he's tech with a little bit of human, which I don't know what that means. Um, yeah, but me it did either. look like he had a little brain, heart kind of biomass thing. Yep, yep. Um, so, yeah. All right. Awesome. So we, we split decision, but um, I think no big argument to go along with it. Before I talk about what we're going to record next, any closing thoughts? No. Good. Good. <laughs> uh, so we're recording this uh, a few days before release. So this re- this is releasing on, on May 9th. We're recording it on May 4th, oh, uh, yeah. the Wednesday ahead of time. So tomorrow is the pilot episode for Star Trek Strange New Worlds. We'll be watching that and then recording our, ep- our initial impressions, first thoughts, whatever, uh, this coming Monday. Uh, so if you're listening to this on release day, you can catch us on twitch.tv slash sci-fi wise guys uh, as we talk about the newest star trek series otherwise of course the uh, the episode will be out next week super excited are you excited about this about this this episode that we just recorded or no about no about star trek we're we're past it i mean sure yeah i always like new star trek i don't always finish it but i do like i do like it so yeah i have high hopes for this one i have high hopes for this one awesome well if you liked what you heard Drop us a follow, drop us a rating, recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like what you heard, recommend us to your enemies. We'd really, really appreciate it. If you have recommendations for other things we should watch, other good B-movies or straight-to-stream sci-fi, 
You can email us, scifiwiseguys at gmail.com. You can also hit us up on social media, at scifiwiseguys on Twitter and Instagram. You can DM us or just add us. It doesn't matter. Love to hear your suggestions. It makes our jobs a lot easier. Do you want to B-roll us out of here? Uh, Stay healthy. Stay hydrated. And if you are working for a work release program that requires you to debug ships, don't give yourself unnecessary work. (laughs) Yeah, don't add to your workload. Yeah. That's just good for, that's just good (laughs) advice. Never give yourself more work than you need. Bye, guys. Bye. I like how Tanika Davis is listed in like on Prime Video. She's listed second. Like she's she didn't have a speaking part in this film. I think she like well, I guess she screams or maybe were, she says yeah, okay, that no might count. But I mean like yeah. yeah, something like that or please, please, please. She doesn't have something. any lines, but yeah, she no doesn't real. have a real part. And Adrian Holmes, he's like a poor man's Anthony Mackie, which is saying something because Anthony Mackie's already a poor man's Anthony Mackie. <laughs> Like they're both just they, their performances are just so flat and boring, and he keeps popping up in places I don't want him in. It's fair. It's fair.